Hey, what you just saw was a sneak peek into the actual archaeology that's been found proving that the story of Joseph was a true, true story. So that was a little picture in Saqqara, Egypt, where they believe Joseph, in fact, was. And it's a picture of 11 Semitic men coming to this great ruler. And there's two Egyptian officials with documents in their hand handing it to this oversized official who they think was Joseph. We're going to look at this in detail later. So check this out, you guys. This is so good. Hey, my name is George Crabb. By the way, we're doing a series in Road to Emmaus, and it's how to find Jesus in all the Old Testament and all the Bible. And um, this is what we do, how to see Jesus in all of the Bible. And we see it in Joseph's story big time, if you've seen the previous episodes. So you might be wondering, like, was this famine real? And, and what does this have to do with Jesus anyway? Well, in the future, there's, the Bible describes a great tribulation period, which is over the whole face of the earth. It's the whole world that's going to go through this. In, Je- in um, Revelation chapter 3, it says the church of Philadelphia that God's going to spare them. Jesus said, I'm going to spare you from uh, the time of, of testing that's going to come upon the whole world. Okay, so there's so much in the Bible with it. You know, there's Daniel, there's Revelation, there's all these different things. But Joseph's story shows us this, okay, because it's a famine which was over the whole face of the earth, and that's when his brothers and his father, Israel, finally realized that he's alive, that Joseph is alive. They thought he was dead, long gone, out of their lives all these years, 20 years And they're going to see that he's alive, and that's when he saves them. And it's during this great time of trouble over the whole face of the earth. See the picture there? (laughs) All right, so this is a drawing of an actual wall, uh, uh, a wall art in Saqqara, Egypt, showing a picture um, showing the history of what was going on in Egypt with these famines. So this is... These are Semitic people, okay, they're not Egyptians. These are Semitic people, very skinny, and they believe that this was during one of the great famines in history, and it just so happens to be, again, Saqqara, Egypt, where this Joseph uh, character whom they call Imhotep lived. All right, real interesting stuff, you guys. Okay, here's another one from Saqqara, and this is what you kind of had a little saw a little bit earlier. And these are uh, Semitic men. Uh, they think they're Hebrew men. In fact, a lot of scholars, they have beards, they have lighter skin. Here's the two Egyptian officials handing a document to this oversized official whom they believe was Joseph. And I redrew this, but this is what's on the actual wall in Saqqara, Egypt, in a causeway. It's a pretty amazing uh, discovery, is it not? All right, so... Let's get into the actual verses of what we're looking at here, because this is an amazing section of Joseph, Joseph who takes up 25% of the book of beginnings written by Moses, the first book that Moses wrote. 25%, you guys, that's, that's huge. That's, you know, again, it's like getting your four-year degree in world history and spending your last year on one man. And in this case, it's one man, Joseph. And I believe that God wants to tell us something through this story, does he not? So, all right. So let's look at the verses here. And um, Genesis chapter 42, verse 1. And when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, 
He said to his sons, why do you look at one another? So they're probably really depressed, I would imagine, right? They're getting, they're starving to death. It, it looks really bad. And then he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Does that ring a bell? Remember, it was the 10 brothers who conspired to murder him, stripped him of his tunic, and sold him for silver. So it's pretty interesting there. But Jacob, Jacob uh, did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And now Joseph was governor. He was the vizier. He was the right-hand man of him who was on the throne. So Joseph was governor over the land, and he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Oh, my. Remember his dreams? He had the dreams that they were all sheaves of grain and that all of them had their sheaves bowed down to his sheave that stood up. And then he had a second dream, which which was the 11 stars, the sun, the moon, the 11 stars all bowed down to his star. You see, it's just like when Jesus told uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, that Caiaphas said, you know, tell us, are you the son of God? And he said, it is as you say, and you will see me at the right hand of the throne in, in great glory, basically. And, and, and Caiaphas was so angry, he tore his clothing and said, do we need anything else? This is blasphemy. And it wasn't blasphemy because <laughs> Jesus was just telling the truth. Just like Joseph was just telling the truth about his dreams. You see the picture, the connection there is just amazing, you guys. And Matthew chapter 26 records that, uh, that they were, it was out of envy. I'm sorry, uh, chapter 27, verse 18, it says that it was out of envy. Pilate knew that. It, it, this is why they, they turned Jesus into them, right? And, um, and that's what we see. And Caiaphas, the high priest, you know, he asked him, yeah, he, he was just straight up asking him, are you the son of God? He really wanted to know. And you know what's really interesting about Caiaphas, just a side note, John later records that he actually did prophesy. Like he, he prophesied. And I find people a lot of times who think they have this gift of prophecy and they think that, you know, they're just some awesome thing here. Well, the enemies of Jesus can prophesy, Okay. A donkey, a, a jackass <laughs> the Bible can prophesy. So don't think of yourself as something great, okay? It's, it's how you live your life and how your relationship is with the Lord. That's what matters, not, not, you know, all these signs and wonders and things like that that you can do. Those aren't the things that really matter. So that's what we see here. So, so Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his clothes and he said, he has spoken blasphemy. 
Oh, my. So Benjamin was told, remember Benjamin the youngest, I would, you know, it's been 20 years. Benjamin has been told that Joseph uh, was killed. Remember, his father said that Joseph was killed, and that was around 20 years ago. So in his mind, he was long gone out of his life. And uh, and Israel today, being that that newest born brother that, you know, if you look at Israel as a, as a historical, the tribes being time periods in Israel's history, they don't know he's alive either, but he is. <laughs> and they're going to find out someday. And I believe it will be during that great time of trouble, that seven-year period, just like this famine was a seven-year period. So it's, uh, it's really interesting, you guys. It's so good what God does when he puts all this together for us. All right, let's look at the scripture again. So now Joseph was governor over all the land, and his brothers came, bowed down with their faces to the ground. And then Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where, where do you come from? He said. And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, oh, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. Not only are they bowed down to Joseph here, but they're calling him my Lord. I mean, this is a picture of the future, my friends, with Jesus Christ. So they're claiming they went to, they're just there to buy food. Joseph's being really mean to him. He's kind of playing with them a bit here, and he's, he's doing what they did to him without actually doing it, you know, but he's, he's treating them. He's not speaking peaceably to them, and he's testing them is what he's doing. And then verse 11, we are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is, is this day with our father, and one is no more. No more. Wow. One is no more. You know, most of Israel today and most of the Jewish people today believe that Jesus is no more. He's gone. He's, they believe he's dead, that he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. That's it. We're seeing this picture in Joseph's story that they're saying one is no more. He's gone. But we're going to see something change here, you guys. This story is so good. Oh, my. I can't wait, you guys. This is going to be great. I'm just adjusting something here. All right. So let's look at the verse, the next verses. So, but Joseph said to them, it is, it is as I said to you, your spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. And send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So Joseph is being really tough with them right now. And I'm going to skip ahead on a few uh, verses here. And, uh, and he's testing them and he sends them back to his father. Okay. And... Um, 
And it's really interesting because they're now the the brothers are are feeling guilty. They're starting to feel this guilt, and they feel like, oh man, this is a, because of our sin. Our sins are being revisited upon us. And here Reuben says this, and Reuben answered them, "Do not, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? Speaking of Joseph, but you did not listen. So now here comes a reckoning for his blood." Very interesting that that he said that right there. Reckoning for his blood. And they did not know that, that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. So they, there was an interpreter between them, but Joseph heard every word they said, probably in Hebrew, and he understood each word very clearly. So I, I want to look at that real quick. So, But did you not listen? So now there comes reckoning for his blood. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 and 25, we see that all the people, so Pilate saw that he could not prevail to try and, and release Jesus, but rather than, there was, a, there was a tumult rising, and he was, rather than doing what was right, he just wanted to please the crowd, and, um, and he, he took water, he washed his hands, and the, and before the multitude, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it, he said, because they were yelling out, crucify him. And then all the people answered. They also said this. Listen to this. They said, his blood be on us and our children. That's Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 and 25. His blood be on us and our children. Here, Reuben is saying his blood. There comes a reckoning for his blood. So they all thought, I think he was dead. So here in uh, 23, it says, They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there's an interpreter between them. And then he turned away from them and wept. Joseph, he was weeping. He had a tender heart toward his brothers and the fulfillment of his dreams that God gave him. And he's seeing it actually happen. And he turned from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph uh, gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey, and this was done for them. So Joseph is playing games with them, but he also gave them food and help them to go on their journey because he wanted to see their whole family. His goal, I believe, was to get the whole family back to him. So they loaded their donkeys and, and with their grain, and they departed, and, um, and they headed back to their father, Jacob. All right? And then they explained to Jacob everything that happens, and then we're going to see in the next chapter here in, in chapter 43, and now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. So if you will send our brother with us, we will go down to buy food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said, to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And then Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell me the man 
tell the man that you had another brother. So he's very protective of, of Benjamin, as you can see here. And they replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And what we told him was in answer to these questions, could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? So Judah finally, uh, uh, Judah talks to him again, send the boy with me. And then Jacob finally agrees. So then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then take him. So he's, he also said to take some choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down for to the man. A little balm, a little honey, a little gum and myrrh. So we're seeing balm and myrrh. It's kind of interesting that that's in there. Pistachio nuts and almonds. So Jacob is very fearful, it seems, at this time. So then, uh, and then Jacob says, May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brothers and Benjamin. And as for me, I am bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. He's just very heartbroken. But he did say a prayer right here. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. So further on, we see that uh, they come back uh, to Joseph. The man did as, uh, did as Joseph had told him, and he brought the men to Joseph's house. So they come back, and then Joseph's servant brings uh, the men, these, these brothers of his, to his house. And then verse 18, And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may, he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize us for our donkeys. So they went up to the stewards of the house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And they're, so they're trying to explain what happened. They're trying to get out of this. And... Uh, and the steward replies like this, and I love this. He says, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Don't angels say that a lot, right? You know, every time they see a human being, they always say peace to you. A lot of times they always say, don't be afraid. And uh, he says, your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks. I received your money. And then he brought Simeon out to them. So they're starting to see this mercy and this grace all of a sudden, you guys. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they, re they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that, that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? Joseph loved his father, didn't he? And they said, Your servant, your father, our father is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. So again, they fulfilled the dreams once again by bowing down to this ruler who was the right-hand man to the throne, Joseph, who is a clear picture of Jesus Christ. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin and his mother's son and said, Is this your youngest brother for whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. 
I think he saw his mother's face in Benjamin and his father as well. You know, Benjamin was his full-blooded brother. And then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm and his, for his brothers, his brother, excuse me, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. And they served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked at one another in amazement. Do you understand what, what happened there? They were, they were put in order according to the, when they were born. Now, there was no mistake there. And what I believe that shows us is that there is each brother is like a time period in Israeli history. They were put in order according to their births. And the last born brother, Benjamin, was put in, in that last order too. And that shows that, that this is a time, this is a historical order, you see. And then verse 34, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So this is a picture of God's grace, you guys. And then verse 1, then he commanded the stewards of his house, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can, uh, they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And, the, and he did as Joseph had told him. So they didn't know that he did that. And then later, they, they chase after them when they're going away with their donkeys. And they open up Benjamin's sack and they find his silver cup. And then they, uh-oh, you know, you're in trouble. So Benjamin was considered a thief, that he stole this from Joseph, this ruler of Egypt, and the brothers were very scared about what was happening, and we'll skip ahead to the verses where we see uh, what was going on. And then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack, and he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. So he goes in historical order again. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. So Joseph says to hint to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me indeed can pra practice divination? And Judah said, That means he can, you know, he can have him put to death, basically. And Judah said, What shall we say, my Lord? And what shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. So, ben, so Judah actually starts stepping up and defending and putting himself, putting his life down before Benjamin, which is a huge change to how they treated Joseph 20 years ago, right? So, so here Judah speaks up for him, and, and then right over here, I'm going to go all the way down to 
verse 25. And when our father said, go again and buy us a little food, so he's explaining to him what was going on. We said, we cannot go down. If our youngest one goes down with us, then we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. So he's explaining to him what Jacob was saying to him and how heartbroken he would be. So Judah says, if you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs. He's explaining what Jacob said to him, gray hairs and evil to Sheol, which was a place of, of, of um, Sheol was like this holding place. There was Abraham's bosom, which is the place of paradise, and Gehenna, which is like hell, it's a place of burning. And Jacob was basically saying that he's just going to go down very depressed if if they, you guys lose. It's just going to be the worst thing ever if you lose Benjamin, like you lost Joseph many years ago. So Benjamin starts to, now therefore, please, I want, you're going to see it right here. Please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brother. So Judah right here says, take me, but let the boy go. This is a huge change of heart, you guys. This is this is a new heart, and Israel is going to have a new heart. Ezekiel 36 talks about how God says, I'm going to bring you back into your land, from, from the, all over the world, back to your land, and I'm going to give you a new heart. And it's happening right here in this story. The story is a foretelling of what's going to happen and what's been happening, I believe, in Israel today. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with us? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. So he's concerned about his father too. And then chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph, and this is monumental, you guys. This is where the story is just amazing, you guys. This is so powerful. Ready? Here we go. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, make everyone go out from me. No one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Wow. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Ani Yosef. He speaks to them in Hebrew, I believe. It's the only language they would have understand. Ani Yosef. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. His brothers were in shock. Can you imagine the scene, you guys? Wow, this is amazing. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Someday, my friend, Yeshua, not Yosef, but Yeshua, will say to his brothers, Ani Yeshua, don't be afraid. <laughs> because you crucified me. You had me, you gave me over to the Gentiles to be crucified for God sent me before you to preserve life. Do you see the picture, you guys? This day will come. This day will happen for the Jewish people too. 
For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Wow. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son, Joseph. God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near me. And you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there, will, there I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and your eyes of and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. Wow, you guys. You must tell my father all my honor of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry, bring my father down here. And then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Oh, isn't that beautiful, you guys? This is a beautiful, beautiful story of forgiveness, of chesed, you know, loving kindness and tender mercies, which is grace, getting something good you don't deserve. And this is what Jesus is going to do for Israel, my friends. And if you're in Israel, he's going to do this for you. He loves you. God loves you. Jesus, your Messiah, Yeshua, loves you. And if you're not Jewish, God loves you. And this is why he, he was crucified on the cross, you guys, to save you. And he kissed his brothers and he wept upon them. And after his brothers talked with him, and when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Ah, isn't this awesome, you guys? So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your household and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat of the fat of the land. And the land of Goshen was the best of that land, you guys. And you, Joseph, are, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for the goods of the, uh, of the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. For the best of the land of Egypt is yours. So don't be concerned is what Pharaoh says to them. And, and uh, this is so good. In the Hebrew, it says, let not your foot pity or let not your eye pity, excuse me. And then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Joseph of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes. So this is really interesting. You can see that in that picture, you guys. He gave a change of clothing. But to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. 
And to his father he sent as follows ten donkeys loaded with with good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Oh man, this is so good. And then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. Doesn't he know his brothers well? <laughs> Don't quarrel, you guys. And so he went up out of the Egypt, and he came to the land of Canaan, where the where their father uh, and came to the land of Canaan where their father Jacob was living. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb for he did not believe them. <laughs> so Jacob was in shock. He was like, what? <laughs> but then they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. My son is still alive and I will go and see him before I die. Wow. So his spirit was revived. This is a picture of being born again, you guys. Born by the spirit of God, which only happens through Yeshua, through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he says that the spirit, his spirit of Jacob was revived and then it Interesting, he says, Jacob, which means struggles with God, and then Israel, which means governed by God, said, same man, just different, it is enough, Joseph, my son, is alive, and I will go and see him before I die. He's alive, you guys. He's alive. Jesus is alive, my friends. He's alive. This is so good. Oh, my. I'm going to show you this scripture in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 6. It says, I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back, he says. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them, and they shall be as though I had not rejected them, for I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Jesus loves Israel, you guys. And then I'm going to show you this archaeological, uh, not archaeological, but scriptural thing, which is of the future. Okay, this is speaking of the thousand-year reign of the Messiah. And this is the very last part of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 30. And it says this is a description of this new city which is coming, the city of God in Jerusalem, and Jesus will rule there. But I want to show you what he says about these gates. So these shall be the exits of the city, and on the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, and the gate of Levi. So you could see up here the, the gates on the north side of the, of the wall here, and those are exits and entrances. And then the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. And then he says, on the east gate, okay, the east gate, which is to be 4,500, or east side, excuse me, 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. Well, very interesting right there, isn't it? That right here, you guys, right down here, you see Joseph in that corner, okay? He is right there in that corner, and that is like the Temple Mount, okay, in Jerusalem. 
And it's that east, it speaks of that golden gate, which is sealed shut right now, which underneath they find Solomon's stones down there, which show that there's two like support pillars, I believe, that they found, which could be the original east gate. But here you see Joseph's name on that east gate, you guys. And many of you Jewish people know exactly what I'm talking about. So Joseph was a picture of Jesus Christ, you guys, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah. And that's why he gets his name on that northeast gate, that east gate, you guys, that faces east. And Ezekiel also describes that in a different chapter, he describes that water was flowing out from the side, the south of the altar and down out of the entrance, the side entrance of that east gate. When Jesus was crucified, he was pierced on his side, and water mixed with blood flowed out of his side. And this was done because he was the ultimate sacrifice. This was done so that many would be saved alive today, you guys. My friend, this is speaking, Joseph's story is speaking of Jesus, you guys. Isn't this amazing? It is so good. All right, here, remember, we talked about, we went through the scripture that Joseph gave him new clothing, right? So here you see some Semitic women. This is an actual, I, I redrew this, but it's an actual wall painting found in, yes, you guessed it, Saqqara, Egypt. And what we see is 11 Semitic males here. And you see two Egyptian officials with a document handing it to this oversized official holding a scepter and a sickle, okay? This is what it looks like on the wall in Saqqara, Egypt. Well, I counted the men, the males. There's 11, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. There was 11, okay? And there's even, I don't have it in this one, but right up in this, the, the top above them, there's a, uh, there's someone who's bound, okay? He's, he, I think it's Simeon, but there's above them, there's in the original drawing, there's a, a one of these Semitic men bound, okay? With his hands behind his back. I mean, does this not speak of Joseph? I believe this is them, you guys. And lots of scholars and archaeologists also believe that. So it's just amazing, you guys. This stuff is is just so good, so Daniel 12.1, okay, this speaks of this great time of trouble, like Jacob's trouble, which is speaking of this great, this seven-year period, this famine of this horrible famine, where it progressively gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, the tribulation period spoken of by Daniel does the same thing. It gets worse. It's a time of trouble. It gets worse and worse and worse. But it also is the time when God saves all of Israel. Look at this. Daniel chapter 12. Okay, verse one. At that time, there shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people. Who are your people? He's talking to Daniel here. Israel, Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Isn't that awesome, you guys? So we're seeing that right there, you guys. And then Ezekiel chapter 36. So this, this chapter is all about the, you know, the dry bones coming back. I'm going to gather you from the four corners of the world, God says, and bring you, my people, talking about Israel, back to your land, your own land. 
okay, the Father's land. (laughs) And it says here in verse 26, and I will give you a new heart. Remember, Judah and his brothers had a new heart. They were ready to defend their little brother, Benjamin, and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people that I gave to your fathers. So he's talking about Israel, the land of Israel. And you shall be my people and I shall be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant, and lay no famine upon you. You see that, you guys? He will not allow them to die from any famine. But there is a famine in that great tribulation period that Daniel was talking about. And Revelation talks about it. It talks about uh, uh, a third of the vegetation or two-thirds of the vegetation being burned up. So there's a great famine. But here God's promising that I, I, uh, I will lay no famine upon you. I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine on you. This is all speaking of the future, but we see Joseph's story weaving uh, right into it, right? It's like fabric being woven together. It's like it's, it's coming together here, you guys. And then verse 30 I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. You know, Israel today produces like like one-fourth of the produce that goes to Europe. I mean, it's amazing what that little country does because God is blessing Israel. And then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and for your abominations. So here he's saying that you will remember, remember his brothers remembered their evil ways, and, uh, and they were very worried and sad. But what does Joseph do? He forgives them. He says, don't be angry with yourselves, for God allowed all this to happen, you guys. And I want to speak personally to you. You have had horrible things happen to you in your life. I have had horrible things happen in my life too. We all have. We need to acknowledge God's hand in all, A-L-L, all that happens to us. That's the key. That's, That's what Joseph understood. And we need to acknowledge his hand in all that happens to us. And then we can forgive, and then we have peace, and then we have healing. So that's what we see here, you guys. is so, so good. All right. So I'm going to finish up my episode here. And uh, again, I want to talk about how Israel said to Joseph. Now, later on, he's going to say this. We, it's a sneak peek into chapter 46. He says, now let me die since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Jesus is still alive, my friend. He is alive, and he knows you. And he wants you to have a relationship with 
him. And in a couple of minutes here, I'm going to give you that opportunity, my friend. You could pray a simple prayer to receive Jesus into your heart, to be have a new heart, to be born again as a child of God, you guys. It's through him and only through him that you can do it. All right, you guys. So every Friday at 7 a.m., I'm uh, doing a new episode. And uh, right now, of course, we're going through Joseph, but we're going through all the Old Testament, finding where Jesus is found. That's every Friday Pacific Standard Time uh, 7 a.m., you'll see an uploaded video on YouTube. And also on June 20th, uh, coming up real soon here, on Sunday, June 20th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, um, I'm going to be preaching live in person at Dungeness Community Church. Um, you can go to their YouTube channel um, and you can see it live, or you can be there in person if you're in the area. So, hey, literally looking forward to that. And it's going to be the title of my message is Our Father. And we're going to go through Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about, it's going to be the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to tie Joseph's story into it. That's a little sneak peek, you guys. I'm going to tie this great story of forgiveness right into the Lord's Prayer. So, hey, looking forward to it. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you feel maybe you feel the Holy Spirit working on your heart during this message, and you would like to receive him and be guaranteed to go to heaven and receive Christ into your life. You're, you're saying, Lord, uh, Jesus, I want you to control my life. I, I want to invite you into my heart. I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you shed your blood for me, and I believe that in three days you rose from the dead and you're alive today. That's what you're going to do. All right? It's a simple prayer. So if you would like to do that, to receive Jesus into your heart, you can pray right after me. Just repeat the words. You're praying to him. Praying to God, not me. Okay? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I turn from my sin. Please help me to do that. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he shed his blood for me. And I believe in three days you raised him from the dead. And he's alive today. And I choose to follow him as my Lord and Savior right now, from this moment forward. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you did that, the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing right now over one sinner who repents and turns to God. That's you, my friend. All right. Hey, God bless you, and God bless his kingdom. Looking forward to our next episode. We're going to finish up Joseph, and um, hey, God bless you all.